Hey, are you a business trying to find the right candidate to fill a position in your company? I can't help you with that. What I can help you with, if you're looking for an energy drink that's going to help keep you up, that's going to give you the energy you need, but it's you don't going to be all jittery and wired the rest of the day, hit up my friends at All In. They're a local Seattle-based company, and they're serving up refreshment energized. They have four awesome flavors, berry, citrus, tropical, and grapefruit. They are some of my favorite energy drinks, and I love that it's a local company as well. You're supporting a small business every time you buy from them. Head over to drinkallin.com. Use the discount code EthanHD312, that's my name, and then Chicago's area code, and they will give you 25% off of your order, and they will deadass just mail you some energy drinks right to your door. So like I said, head over to drinkallin.com, use the discount code EthanHD, save a little bit of moolah, and now... Let's start the show. Episode number nine. We're doing it, guys. Welcome to the Going Home Early podcast. I am your host, Ethan HD. Uh, for those who are uninitiated, the Going Home Early podcast is a wrestling podcast, but it's not just a wrestling podcast, it's a wrestling travel podcast. And so, what that means is I sit down with my compatriots in the professional wrestling industry and we just talk about the cool places we've been. We talk about road trips, whether it's foreign countries, small towns. Everything in between, it all comes out on the podcast. Um, the guest for this episode, I could not be more stoked to have, is my tag team partner, Mike Santiago, the other half of the American Guns. Uh, God, I've probably known this guy basically my entire adult life, and I'm absolutely proud to say that. And uh, the other thing we're, we're kind of shooting for here, the reason I, I had Mike on, is this episode is dedicated to Defy Wrestling's four-year anniversary. Uh, Defy recently, a couple days ago, celebrated four years in business, and we just started seeing all these pictures and posts, and I wanted to have Mike on because he was a day one Defy guy like me, uh, actually more so a day one guy because I left right after the first show for like six months, um, but Mike has been there since day one, and we just kind of want to talk about like when Defy was first getting started and, and our first interactions with the company, uh, but it also kind of devolves into us burying the Northwest, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, because really, until Defy Wrestling started running shows, the Northwest sucked. It was an absolute black hole for professional wrestling. You just had a lot of guys from the old guard who were still hanging on, and you just had these dudes who looked like your dad wrestling in t-shirts, and nobody was doing these cool, exciting things. Because uh, at the time, on the East Coast, you had guys like you know Homicide, Amazing Red, Low Key, Slim J, um, AJ Styles, uh, the SATs, you know, all these guys just tearing it up, and then in like... SoCal, you had like the, the early beginnings of like PWG, and then the Northwest was just nothing. Like just literally nothing. Like the same ten guys having the same five matches and nobody wanting to pay to see it. Because it just it was boring and it was old hat. And so it really wasn't until Defy came along where people saw that like, oh wow, if you bring in outside talent who can wrestle and you highlight the local talent and treat them like superstars on that same level as this outside talent, people will pay. Like people will pay good money to see a quality wrestling show. And I think it changed the game for the Northwest. I think after that a lot of people started kind of following that model and they would bring in guys that you only would see on the internet or you'd only heard about on Twitter or whatever and you get to see them in person. And so I think it really like I guess for lack of a better term, was a game changer for the for the Northwest. And so we just want to take a moment to kind of give a shout out to Defy for taking what was essentially just this uh, nothingness of wrestling, just a, a literal island unto itself uh, off the radar, and, and really making it like a hotbed for professional wrestling. And so we wanted to go ahead and touch on that. Uh, one thing you will hear is we t as we tell a lot of these stories, me and Mike, uh, we refer to Aaron, who's a good friend of ours. He's a former wrestler. Uh, he broke in with me. He's my best friend. Broke into me with professional wrestling, same time around 05, 06 or so. And was one of those guys who was just 
destined to make it. It was just jacked, could wrestle, could cut promos, was a great athlete. Uh, you know, there's spoke two languages. There, there was no doubt in my mind, like, this is a guy who's going to get signed. Um, he even had a match on SmackDown against Drew McIntyre. And it was kind of like uh, setting up for Drew McIntyre going into Mania, going into Money in the Bank. And so they hyped Aaron up and gave him, like, his own entrance and, like, really, really, like, uh, put him over. Like, he was, like, a legitimate threat to Drew McIntyre, uh, which is very obviously very rare for enhancement talent. Um, but, yeah, so it was a very cool thing that he got to do. So if you ever want to just Google Aaron Bolo uh, to get a feel for who we're talking about, I, I think you'll understand. But he was the third musketeer for so many years of our career. And it literally was me, Aaron and Santiago. And we were just all assholes in our own way. Whereas Mike was like a very blunt asshole. And he would just tell you to your face, like, uh, you know, this is what's up. And nobody likes to get hit in the face of the truth. So uh, people maybe were a little more standoffish towards them or like weren't his biggest fan. And then I was kind of this like joking asshole in the sense where I, everything I said, I'd make these snarky comments and like jabs, but it always came off like a joke. I was just like the Dennis Finch of the group to use a dated nineties reference. Um, very David Spade esque. And then Aaron was the one who was like kind of like a secretive asshole where like somebody would say something stupid or trivial and he would like G them up and like gas them up over it and get them really hyped up over this dumb thing and kind of get them to embarrass themselves. And so that was what the three of us did uh, for years on end. Is just travel up and down the West Coast, uh, just kind of being dicks and having decent matches, and, and it worked out. I would say pretty well. Um, but yeah, so uh, we, I just want to kind of explain that. Like that's who Aaron is. He was the third Musketeer in our group. Uh, so when we're telling these stories, uh, hopefully this gives you a better point of reference for for what we're talking about. Um, one of the coolest things about this podcast is it's probably one of the few podcasts that's recorded in a comic book store, specifically my comic book store. Destiny City Comics, located in Tacoma, Washington, uh, downtown Tacoma. Um, obviously, if you want to support the podcast, um, head up the Instagram, Destiny City Comics. Um, our website's DestinyCityComics.com. And, you know, you can just buy stuff on there. Like, if you're into comics, graphic novels, toys, apparel. Uh, I just recently picked up a bunch of WWE, like, elite Mattel action figures. Uh, they're loose. They're out of the, the box, but they're all in great shape. They haven't been, like, messed around with and played with. Um, you know, tons of, like I said, great graphic novels, Spawn, Batman, everything you could think of from like DC to Marvel to Image uh, to Dark Horse, all that stuff. Um, and also, you can always just support the podcast monetarily as well. You could hit me up on Cash App, uh, dollar sign Ethan HD 312. Um, but also, you can just support the podcast by just tweeting it out, you know, sharing it on social media, spreading the good word. Um, there's tons of ways you can help and, and promote the podcast absolutely appreciate every single one of them uh last thing i want to touch on is as always big shout out to the folks at let's wrestle apparel head over to let's wrestle apparel.ca let them hook you up with some of the coolest in wrestling fashion it truly is its own fashion or clothing brand i should say and not only can they make you look good they can make your whole squad look good do you have a sports team and you need matching tracksuits, they can do that for you. Are you a business that needs matching toques or beanies or hats, and you just want to promote your business that way? They can do that as well. They do screen printing, embroidery, sublimation. If you can think about it, and it's an article of clothing you could stick onto your body, Let's Wrestle Apparel can make it happen for you. Head over to letswrestleapparel.ca. Tell them your boy Ethan HD sent you. Now, let's go ahead and get on to the interview with Mike Santiago. And he's not a real barber. I mean, you can shave in <laughs> someone's head. Everybody in wrestling can shave somebody's head. Yeah, that's true. Like, like the, we're built on like hair versus hair matches. <laughs> that's all. Cool. So I'm here with Mike Santiago, uh, the better half of the American Guns. <laughs> that's funny. How's it going, man? Uh, you know, not too shabby. Uh, away from the gym, you know, but. Day-to-day life hasn't really changed much. I still get to go to an office and do all that good stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> just, I'm socially distant to begin with. Come on, man. 
<laughs> I know that's the thing is like I, I feel like I I don't see anybody anymore. Like it's all like just Facebook and Twitter. Oh yeah. I mean it's been like I mean I hardly saw anybody anyways besides road trips which tended to be almost every weekend, but I mean day to day it was work, gym, repeat. <laughs> Yeah. I, so, uh, so the big reason I wanted I wanted you on is because uh, you and I are both day one Defy guys, and Defy just celebrated their fourteen, sorry, their four year anniversary. Uh, what two, two, three days ago? Yeah, something like that. It's crazy how how time flies. Fucking a man! It, it literally feels like every like I was looking through like old photos of Defy, and it felt like everything across those like four years took place in like a year. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, their first year was just, like, so hot. Like, from from the first show until, like, because you were gone, what, six months after that, the first show? Yeah, yeah, because uh, you made me leave town. Because you went to India. <laughs> you went to India, right? I, I beat you to Kali's school <laughs> to, go train, to go train Indian people. Sent me geographically <laughs> as far away from town as possible. <laughs> loser leaves the continent match <laughs> yeah well because that match almost didn't happen because i think initially collie was gonna be fly out like december and then he was like we'll do like late january because it'd be cheaper because of the holidays yeah. and so yeah it was like a very like last minute thing that we even like did the show oh, oh yeah it was totally last minute i think i got i think i got called like a week maybe before the first show was like oh hey you want to wrestle ethan okay cool <laughs> let's right. do it i love on the fly booking a loser leaves <laughs> town match oh yeah man i remember going in with like a big chip on my shoulder <laughs> i think one because it was like the first real show in wrestling or like the first real show like seattle had a long time but i think also like there was a lot of other local talent on the card and to me, it was like, all right, now we get to prove all that shit we've been talking for the last, like, five years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel that, especially, like, I mean, you and I, dude, all the traveling, just, like, like just to be able to wrestle in, in Washington State, you know, in front of people was, like, was, like, just mind-blowing. Yeah, because I don't remember, like, before Defy, uh, like, really the last time there was, like, a real show show. Like, I ran, like, a couple out of El Corazon. But as yeah. far as, like, like a real, like, big indie show, like, maybe some of, like, the Pinnacle stuff from, like, 06, 07? Maybe. I, I mean, yeah. But even then, they were, like, in smaller buildings except for that, that Armory and Everett. That one, that was a pretty size building. Yeah, the one they did at the Everett Armory was really dope. And then what was the other? Oh, then they did the one at the the Super Mall, like, and uh, was in Vision Quest, like, which was like this big ass, like, LA Fitness type gym. But oh they yeah, put... I remember... <laughs> go get them, Twist. <laughs> oh God, man. It's weird as some of those shows drew like 150, 160 people. Oh, I but know. I swear to God, it was still all friends and family. Oh, definitely. Anytime somebody goes, oh, I remember you, like, you from Pinnacle. I'm like, who are you related to? <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch you when I was a kid. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, that stings, man. Like, once you get into your 30s, like hearing that shit stings. Oh, I know. That's why, like, all the respect in the world to all these Power Rangers who do, like, the Comic-Con circuit. Because if, like, every week, like, hundreds of people were like, I remember you from when I was a kid, I would, yeah, just, oh, I but, would just hang myself. But to their defense, like, half the people going to Comic-Con hanging out with Power Rangers are about the same age as the Power Rangers. Yeah, that's true. It's different than when you see... A kid in the locker room, not going to mention any names, going, oh, man, I used to watch you when I was 10. And fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear that. Dude, and there's a couple of them, man. That's the crazy thing. 
Oh, like, I there's know. A, there's a couple of them that are like in locker rooms around here that have like <laughs> I've we've seen in the crowd. Shoot, I think I I think I told somebody like like a flying or something. Like I used to watch you like blah 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 blah. And I'm almost 40. So <laughs> I just watched their soul just like rip out of their body. <laughs> I bet Christopher Daniels gets that a lot. Like he's got to be one of those oh. guys. Oh, he has to be. He's like, I mean, shoot, he was like a vet when we were starting. He was like a guy we were looking up to. He was like the original, like king of the indies. Yeah, like him, modest. Uh, yeah, that whole group. Yeah, back when you could like go to Japan and just like disappear. <laughs> like, and then you would just come back like six months later and people like, where were you? Like, oh, I was in Japan. Because <laughs> nobody could get like, it was so hard to get like tapes of that and like the internet wasn't as mm-hmm. big back then. Now guys go to Japan and they're like tweeting and Instagramming <laughs> it. And, like, they're like the in-flight Wi-Fi, like I'm in Japan for the next three weeks. Suck it, nerds. But yeah, uh, back then you just like you either was gone for six months and like you were just curry man, and then you would come back. Where but, were you, Japan? <laughs> dude, but yeah, it's some crazy shit. But like, so I I love that because like, I didn't even realize it was the anniversary of the baby whore hotel when I texted you about it. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Like a few days ago, it popped up in my, in my, my memories. And it was like 10 years ago. And I'm like, Holy shit. So for- 10, years, 10 years ago, I passed out drunk and woke up clutching a Bible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for like the, the, the other, like for everybody else who wasn't in that haunted haunted hotel hotel it's even hard to call it a hotel because it really wasn't a hotel it, it was, was it was weird it was it, like it was uh, an antique dorm? yeah it was like a dorm that like at some point was clearly like an antique mall and then a whorehouse <laughs> yeah it was it was originally a whorehouse so like i guess for people who weren't there like explain like what the the baby whore hotel is so we don't oh. get canceled okay so there was, we did this show in this town called Willamina, Oregon, which is like two stoplights. And I'm probably being generous at the number of stoplights. Um, it's probably one and, and a sign. Um, they, uh, we, we end up doing the show. And we have another show down in Oregon the next day. So we get put up in, in this hotel. We're like, okay, cool. Think it's a nice hotel. Well, uh, the promoter gives the guy the key and goes, hey, it's for this room. Okay, cool. Well, you know, a couple of chair shots later, things like that. We don't remember the room number. So we walk upstairs and it's like, it's like almost like a house. Like it has a common kitchen, a common living room, but there was all separate bedrooms. And each bedroom had its own bathroom and each closet had a bed in it as well, which was rather weird. Um, So we're sitting there like, all right, well, I guess whatever door this key opens is the room that we're supposed to be in. How did we know that was going to open every room except for one? (laughs) Which is the weirdest thing that you would have like, it was like five or six rooms in a hotel. (laughs) <laughs> and one key opens five of the rooms and then one of the rooms doesn't <laughs> like, I don't yeah. get the logic there. It's, it's either all or nothing. And it was like, you know, and it, I think there was like six or seven different rooms. So we opened like six of them. And uh, so they had that one room upstairs and wait, I'm trying to remember. Do we go to? Do we talk about the picture first or the sketchy hallway first? Let's go hallway. Let's go hallway. I think I think it needs to be everything leading up to how it became the Baby Four Hotel. <laughs> All right. So we're we're checking this place out, figuring out it's opening up every room. We look downstairs, and there's this dark stairway leading to a door. 
going somewhere. Too dark for any of us, so we were like, no. Let's go look around everywhere else. Go upstairs, and we see this picture, this picture of a baby. It's like, and this isn't like just like a normal like picture. This is a painting that's like three feet by five feet of a baby just there with like kind of a mohawk. It looks like the baby was, it looks like the baby was painted in the 1800s. Yeah, this baby originated like the Taz haircut. Like it had like the really like the low and tight like mohawk. It looked like it looked like one of the promoter's kids because we called it Baby Dale <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> and then fast forward. So the baby comes in important later because that is the baby whore. But let's get to why it's called the baby whore. <laughs> <clears throat> so um this place we were staying, hotel, brothel, whatever, had a restaurant downstairs, a bar downstairs, and then there was a convenience store across the street. So um, I remember going across the street to the, to the convenience store, and we realized that they had Four Locos because Four Locos were banned in Washington. Yeah. You know what like, banned in Washington. Right, because what? Yeah, a couple college kids like – OD'd on them or like drank them and died and oh yeah but now Bang's gonna be making like their energy vodkas so who knows oh yeah yeah just rebrand it <laughs> yeah so we're like all right uh let's see uh what's going on in this bar over here and with a town that with that many people there's probably six people in the bar we're thinking private party so finally, me and uh, a buddy end up deciding to get enough courage to walk in. And it was legit. Every bar movie scene that you've ever seen where the guy walks in, the record scratches, and everybody looks to the door. And we're just like, uh, is this a private party? No, no, no. It's an open bar. Blah, blah, blah. We're here. Oh, okay. Cool, we'll be back. We're going to go get some people. I think the seven of us doubled or tripled the capacity of that bar that night. Oh, easily tripled because there's, what, seven of us. <laughs> and immediately, like, I think everybody almost, like, kind of bailed. because <laughs> I remember it being karaoke night, and I remember distinctly being in my bathrobe. <laughs> and I don't remember oh. what, I don't remember what rap song I sang, but I remember specifically, like, what has like the most n words? Because <laughs> Matt, when in Rome, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So we're trying to figure out a little bit of the story of the building. We're, we're talking to the bartender, and we're like, "Hey, so tell us about this place." I mean, this is weird. We're staying upstairs, and it's got like all these rooms, and so he tells us. Hey, well, it used to be a brothel, and that door right there takes you upstairs to where you guys are staying. So this was like an underground bar and take them upstairs kind of deal. And they're like, yep. And then we started coming up half drunkenly about ideas about this baby, which should not be heard by anybody on this planet. But it ended up that we were like, it's the baby whore. Yeah, because after they told us it's a brothel and then you go back to the hallway, it's like all photos of like women or like paintings of women. And then at like the very end of the hallway is this baby. <laughs> and so like in my head, it's like if there's like a row of classrooms and like the teacher's name is outside every room. <laughs> so it's like so every lady like whose photos outside the door, it's like, well, that's the lady. But then you get to the room at the end of the hall and you're like, well, here's a photo of a baby. Yeah, so, yeah it only... I guess maybe the baby was the pimp. He was the heir. He was the heir to the throne. I mean, what King Tut was like eight years old or something like that. Yeah, so maybe he, the baby. Maybe the baby ran the house. Yeah, he could have been like like an eight year old huggy bear. <laughs> I just remember like in the bar downstairs, the bartender was like telling me like the the lore of of Willamina, Oregon, how it used to be a logging town before it became basically nothing. 
And I guess some bikers showed up and like wanted to take over the town because there's like <laughs> 60 people in the town. And so what the loggers did is they parked their trucks perpendicular, like on either end of like the one road through and like trapped the bikers in between and then like murdered them with their logging. <laughs> and there's dead ass a photo in the bar of a logging truck parked like perpendicular to the street <laughs> and like these loggers in front of it. And then to the side is like a row of like motorcycles that have clearly been like tipped over. This is the day we did stop taking your shit. Right? And I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is <laughs> the lost season of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> they just got slaughtered in a logging town. <laughs> Poor Final one destination for... style. Straight up. Pour it out for old Henry Rollins. <laughs> fuck. Was Willamina the worst town we've ever been in? Ooh. Because I feel like it's not, but it's the worst town with a story we've ever been in. It's probably the worst one with a story because, I mean, there's plenty of, like, crappy towns with, like, terrible stories. Like, Independence. Yeah. We don't have any good stories there except for the time uh, Pat and Chuck had their match. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, the the day I learned I could drop kick over Doctor Cleaver because he didn't hear me uh, not call a drop uh, a leapfrog, so I went for the drop kick and he went completely under me. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked so clean. That was the craziest <laughs> part. Is like it was a total botch, but it looked so, the timing was so perfect <laughs> that like you couldn't have known. It just looked like the greatest count. Looks like it's like some world of sports shit. We're I'm about like, 90% sure that was my fault because I probably said fuck the drop kick <laughs> or fuck the fuck the leapfrog. <laughs> and he probably was like, watch the leapfrog. <laughs> He's like, it's um, independent, it's independence, Oregon. I'm leaving my feet once for these people. Yeah, I'm not leaving one, my feet twice. Jarrell has the independence story where we ribbed him about uh we we're all gonna you, me, and quiz, we're gonna just double stomp double stomp them at the same time. Oh yeah, that's right. It was like this battle royal, and like Jarrell was out first, and then Yumi and Quiz were out like sequentially after. Did we? T- what was the setup to that? Did we tell him? Like, I feel like we, in- we tried to him. intimidate him at some point. No, we told him. Yeah, we we cornered him because he was green. <laughs> we cornered him, and we're like, "All right, we're gonna hit you with our moves. We're gonna put you in the middle in the ring. We're gonna go up to the top. We're gonna hit." All three of us at the same time double stomp on you. Do not move. Do not move. Drell, I swear to God, if you move, I will kill you. Do not move. The reason we were doing this is because at the same time, we all land next to him and just start stomping on him. <laughs> It was the three corner massacre. We were one man. Ma- we had four guys. We could have done the four corner massacre. <laughs> I wonder what the fans thought when they just saw like all three of us go to the top rope and Jarrell just laying prone in the middle of the ring. And then we all just land on our feet and just start stomping away. Dude, it was independence. There was like 10 of them. You could probably just hear their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you could hear like the little gears just kind of turning. We got, we got outdrawn by the freaking, uh, God, what what show was it? One of those fishing shows. The yeah, the, is it the one out in Detroit remember. Lake? No, no. Uh, like they were doing that was at Independence. They were doing the uh at the park right across the street. They had like one of those guys from like Deadliest Deadliest Catch. That was the show, and that dude outdrew us. <laughs> <laughs> Which I in think a is- logging t- in a logging town. Right, which I think is unfair because after wrestling in Oregon for like 10 years and doing dives, there's no way that's the deadliest catch. <laughs> like, I've had motherfuckers straight drop me on the floor. <laughs> Dude, the worst is when somebody like doesn't catch you, but like, it's not like you like overshot them. They just like didn't feel like it. And then they go like, oh, sorry. They give you the Daria. Yeah. <laughs> Just put the just like the courtesy hand. It's like I touched you. <laughs> but luckily, Oregon fans don't move out of the way of dives. So yeah, they're always there to catch us. Fucking a right. So you, yeah, there's no reason for the boys to catch the dives. 
you got like 12 people behind you that'll do the do the <laughs> honors <laughs> god for so long they would not move uh, they still don't move <laughs> like the last do the last year i did doa wrestling i purposely i think hit like a tope every match <laughs> like i was like i am just gonna land on every single one of you until you fucking move i think the last time i was there i put a hole in the wall <laughs> oh that's right that's like the second time you've done that didn't you throw you threw harv through a wall too yeah i threw harv through a wall at the rcc dude uh, i feel my like ass th- my ass through a wall catching cubby oh there yeah man <laughs> I do. I loved wrestling the Sierras most of the time, but do you, did you ever accidentally stiff Harv? Maybe. <laughs> I feel like for whatever reason, I accidentally fucked Harv up so many times. <laughs> like never touched Gerv, but I remember distinctly like we had uh we did a strap match and i accidentally is that why i'm on the no extra list (laughs) dude i i feel like if we did i tried to do extra talent now they would just blackball us like what the fuck are you guys doing here (laughs) we just going up to adam pierce and like don't trust these motherfuckers (laughs) they're gonna say they know us but we never met these guys before (laughs) never seen them i think they were training when we were at in uh in uh aew Russ Taylor will be like, hey, uh, he says he knows Ryan Taylor. Who the fuck is that guy? Never met Ryan Taylor. Yeah, Ryan Taylor. That's so many guys named Ryan Taylor. That could be be anybody. Anybody. You could have just made that name up. (laughs) Lucky guess. Did you ever wrestle in Astoria? Oh, yeah, you did. Of course I did. Fuck. I don't understand. Okay, maybe it's, it's just me. I don't understand why people go to Astoria. There's nothing there but the Goonies house. And the school from Kindergarten Cop. Oh, that's right. Did you ever do any of the shows at the the Kindergarten Cop school? No, I didn't. I only did them at that event center that they have. Oh, fuck. I had the worst match of my life at the uh, the Kindergarten Cop high school. <laughs> and Aaron was there. It was a six-man tag. It was all, all guys from Pinnacle that I trained with. And oh, I think I've heard this. Yeah, we blew the finish. And then... We tried to like recover and people kept breaking up the finish because that wasn't <laughs> what we had planned. So we went five minutes long and got yelled at in succession, CC Poison, then by Matt Farmer, then by Buddy Rose before we made it back to the locker room. Oh. They each stopped us independently <laughs> to yell at us. Were you at that? Oh man, speaking of guys that did stuff like that. Were you at that rock and roll pizza show? God, I want to say they brought in Kishi and Tonga, but they had these two guys, and one of the dudes looked like DJ Qualls. Like <gasps> yes, and and the the promoter, I, I want to say it was Branch or somebody, was like, "Hey, you guys, you know," they were like, "This match is scheduled for thirty minutes," and so they just wrestled their ass off for twenty minutes, even though they were the opener and supposed to go like 10 and they get to the back and we're like dude what the fuck what what took so long like said 30 minutes like wait the announcer did yeah guys (laughs) guys we ain't gonna have eight matches 30 minutes long here right it's one of those moments where you have to pull them aside and be like you've seen wrestling right (laughs) like you like get how it goes we had 30 minutes dude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh fuck do the rock and roll pizza is like i think the one of the worst venues i've ever wrestled in <clears throat> as far as it being like a logistic nightmare for people who've never been there like explain oh, dude, it's the, the, it's the, the rock worst. and roll pizza it is the worst by far like, like first off there's like there was like no room because they had that wall that separated the 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 bar the bar area from the from the stage area or or when they made us change in the locker or in the behind in the green room, which is just literally a room smaller than the stage, or upstairs walking through the kitchen. Rock yeah. and roll pizza might be the worst. Ooh. That's a Poblanita. Oh, I never wrestled in the Poblanita. I, I only I had to wrestle in the parking lot. 
I wasn't. I Dude, hadn't heard my way in there yet. I was there at the first show before they had done like the the roof to like adjust. So you'd suplex, you'd suplex my short ass, and we'd be kicking tiles. Fuck. Yeah, because like it was literally just like a Mexican restaurant with like a I don't want to say it was a, not a bodega because they had like meat and stuff there. Yeah, but it was yeah like a Mexican grocery. Because like when you did the show, did they, you have to change in the in the grocery? Dude, I changed in the in the deli. Fuck <laughs> uh, yeah, the one show I did there, I got changed behind the meat counter because I was like, it, yep. it feels fitting. There's anywhere you're gonna pull your dick out. I just remember like looking over and being like, all right, I'm far enough from the meat slicer. It's time to, <laughs> it's time to get naked in here in the, behind the meat counter, violating I'm sure all sorts of health code. But yeah, good thing, good thing the wrestler hadn't come out yet, or you know somebody might have used that, that uh, meat slicer. Oh God. Okay, so where what's the worst place you've had to change at? I would probably say there. Ooh. Because there's, I've seen some bad ones. Like, Rock and Roll Pizza sucked. I feel like I never changed in the same dressing room twice there. I feel like every time it was somewhere different. Um, Astoria. Oh, in that basement? Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm 100% sure that basement took, like, 10 years off my life. (laughs) Dude, that basement. um, Trying to think. Because, yeah, it was just, like, exposed insulation. And, like, the floor was just, like, just covered in dirt. And you could hear like the soda machine like pumping downstairs. It was I like think- they started they started making a basement, and then halfway through we're like, uh, we're over budget. <laughs> right. It literally feels like if you're walking through the basement of a building that had collapsed. <laughs> like it's just like this old sh- like you could film like I don't know like fuck. I mean I guess you could film like a horror movie in there, but it, yeah, it comes off like an abandoned mine, and it was like, all right, guys. And it was always dusty. Like the ground was so dirty that you would just kick up dust on like everything. I think that might've been like one of the worst places. Although the Salem Elks Lodge had us change in literally a supply closet, like 16 to 18 dudes in like this supply closet with just like a table. I'll do you you one better. The janitor's closet of the BNI. Holy shit. So for those who who aren't aware, the BNI is... Is big, what I'd say the ghetto mall of Tacoma, dude. To to call it the ghetto, to call it the mall would be an overstatement. But yeah, it's like it's like every you can find some cheap stuff. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's like borderline a swap meet. <laughs> like it's some yeah, some essentially points. it's like a discount store. It's it's hard to describe. Um, more people would know will know it. Uh, because of that that Disney movie Ivan, uh, that's out or coming out or something like that. Uh, that gorilla was in the BNI, right? Which is so crazy to me that there was a time when you could have a live fucking gorilla in a public mall, and it was just okay. Like just I always hanging out, hanging out in his little sh- shed area, right? They took the smallest storefront and like put like. They painted it like a jungle and put like a tire and like a kiddie pool for him. I'm like, here you go. Oh, yeah. I kind of wish he had broken loose and just like ripped a couple people limb from limb because then Tacoma would forever be known as like that town where the gorilla just murdered a bunch of people in a mall. Oh, I think Tacoma's known for enough. I mean, we're known for like being on cops and stuff. <laughs> Hometown of Ted Bundy. Oh, that's true. Home, hometown hero. <laughs> and they filmed 10 Things I Hate About You in Tacoma. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's got a little bit of it's got a little bit of street cred, I guess. <laughs> but dude, yeah, it, it's nuts like how long we've just been like traveling up and down the I-5 corridor. Dude, I know like I'll tell people non-wrestling, and I'm like, yeah, there's What's what's at the next exit? Oh, this, 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 and this. How do you know that, dude? I've probably taken every exit on this road. You see to Oregon at least. Oh, for sure. And when we we're traveling with Aaron, I'm pretty sure Aaron took a shit at every gas station between BC and Sacramento. Oh, dude, yeah, easily. I think my easily. Fa- I think my favorite was, and I'm sure I loved hearing this story. 
is we were in uh i think it was like a chevron in vancouver we just crossed the border and aaron mm-hmm. went to use the bathroom and the guy inside hadn't like locked the door and he was some hispanic dude and <laughs> it's with limited english so aaron opened the door and the guy just goes busy 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 <laughs> But then Aaron, having no chill, closes the door, but then waits right outside of it so that he has to confront this man again. Like you've just seen this man at his most vulnerable. Oh, man. Give him some space. <laughs> Fucking Aaron. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think, what's the worst? So what's the worst show in the Northwest? you've seen or that you've done because there's been some fucking abominations uh whoo. like there's some rough coach mike jones shows i feel like yeah those those probably hit the top of my list um those park shows in polsbo oh god with the where we had the lodge podge incident oh the ow my eye oh shit okay tell tell everybody the ow my eye incident because this Just- was like no, 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 literally no. a living meme. <laughs> Just go to YouTube and search Lodgepodge Pro Wrestling and you will see it all. Because <laughs> <laughs> this poor girl, like, so, so for the, 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 the girl, real quick for that initiated, there was this show. It was three girls who were wrestling, and one of the girls is prone to like temper tantrums and got like <laughs> clipped in the eye by some girl who had like a, like a wrist guard. And so the like the girl who's prone to tantrum screams like, "Ow my eye!" and then blows a fucking gasket, shoots sentons this poor girl like twice, tries to knee drop her in the head, but like the ring's covered in dew because it's like seven o'clock outside on an outdoor show, so she just like <laughs> slips and eats shit, and then at the end for this post match beatdown, rips the girl's wrestling shoes off and just starts beating the shit out of her with it. And the best part is afterwards, all three of these girls go to Raven and they're like, so I think it's this girl's fault. And Raven just gets up and leaves. <laughs> like, I got shit to do. Doesn't even dignify it with an answer. <laughs> oh, dude, that, that match. Did you do the Coach Mike Jones death ring show? Oh, God. At the, uh. I forgot the name of that bar, but yes. <laughs> the bar in the yes. middle of nowhere that was basically a tent? Yeah. Like, from the outside, it looked like Biodome. <laughs> oh, man. So what do you, so what do yeah. you remember about the Death Ring show? Um, I remember... Let's see. I remember helping, having to carry the ring up those round stairs. <laughs> um, I remember them finally figuring out what they were going to do to have the ring set up because the floor didn't have enough room and the stage didn't have enough room. So what did they do? They put half the ring on the stage and then they just built these wood, two wood platforms about five feet high under to support the other two posts. So basically it's like steeple steeple stage you hit the ropes you can feel the ring shake um let's see i remember uh, i remember somebody trying to get out of the ring on the on the far side and i mean far side because i was standing on the floor and my hands were like i was touching the floor of the ring yeah, because it's like no exaggeration. Like the st- the stage that it's half sitting on is like four feet tall or so. Yeah, and then the ring it's like a full size like ring, so the apron's like at least another like two to three feet. So it's like a yeah. seven foot drop from like the apron to the floor. I-, I remember that. I remember a dude getting kicked off and like hitting his head on the fucking wood thing. Um... Oh, I was in that match. <laughs> That was uh, me and CJ wrestled Pat and Chuck, and I think it was like a cutoff, and I think CJ like kicked Chuck under the bottom rope, and he just like fell to his death. No, didn't didn't Roach get split too, falling off of it? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And 
Roach did. And then uh, another person was like powdering <laughs> to roll out of the ring and <laughs> fell. Yeah. One of the girls from the girls match. Yeah. Like rolled out of the ring and just, I guess, forgot that it, like you were just going to fall to your death. It was a seven foot drop. I don't know how anybody <laughs> forgot. I legit was surprised that ring stayed up. I really oh, thought like one of those pillars was going to like crumble or tip over and the whole ring was going to drop. <laughs> Dude, I wrestled Aaron that night and I, I told him, I was like, I'm not whipping you. You're not whipping me. I'm not bumping you. You're not bumping me. <laughs> We're going to just like stay here in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Right. Cause what do you, what do you do? <laughs> like, first off, I don't even know why the fuck, they would like run a show in a venue without looking to see if you could fit a ring in it. But also considering the promoter makes sense. <laughs> but even like still, when you realize like this was your only option, you think you'd be like, Nope, I guess it just ain't happening. <laughs> Cause yeah, you can literally just walk all the way under the ring without ducking your head. Like, like to, to give people uh, a better description of this building, it was a geodesic dome. So it was, it looked like an igloo. So we were literally putting a square peg in a round hole. Yep. And it wasn't even just like it was an open, like like a, like, like a circus tent would be like an open floor. Yeah. There was like levels. It was like a split level fucking dome. It was the, I don't know who the fuck engineered this thing, but like, I hope they're in jail. Well, I mean, that building's no longer there. So I would assume. Yeah, I don't understand how anybody thought that building was a good idea. Oh, and then I saw a semi on fire on the way home. That was that was fun. Fitting. <laughs> Very fitting. Oh, and then somebody dislocated their elbow at that show. Oh, yeah. Ryzik missed an elbow drop and dislocated his elbow in the main event to cap off, I think, a perfect night of, of wrestling. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was a that was a weird night. <laughs> Oh, and another thing about that that show is because the ring was so high off the ground, if you had, like, floor seats, you couldn't see the wrestling. Like, if somebody was on the mat, you couldn't see them. (laughs) So, like, you had to have balcony seating, and there was, like, room for maybe 10 people in that little balcony or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Because of the way the ring was so close to the balcony, like, you couldn't sit far back on the balcony because then you would just see the stage, but you wouldn't see the whole ring. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no good vantage point to watch what was probably one of the worst wrestling shows in the Northwest. Yeah, it, it's up there. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that were, like, were just, like, as big of a shit show. Where, like, it wasn't just bad wrestling, but it was just, like, every every step of the way, this wasn't good. Like, it was poorly promoted. The venue was not a good idea. I did a charity show where only seven people showed up. Damn. How bad did people hate that charity? It it was for a family member, too. Oh, shit. Where was this? Uh-huh. Uh, Emerald Ridge High School. God, I'm trying to think of it. That's, uh... So I guess so aside from only seven people showing up, which maybe for those people is Bill Gates. Great day for the charity. <laughs> there were there were more wrestlers in the back than there were people in the crowd. And there was probably only seven wrestlers in the back. That's when you know it's a good show. I got a free t-shirt out of it, so. Well, that's a win then. Score. Yeah. That's my, yeah, my first wrestling shirt that so, didn't even say wrestling on it. So was it just the, like, the shit draw that made it bad, or was like, was it just a garbage I, venue, or? I mean, it was a high school gym, so it wasn't too bad, but I mean, just the crowd was just bad and uh, the wrestling was pretty bad. I want to say I was about a year in. Okay. So, yeah. So, so the wrestling was pretty bad. <laughs> did you ever do, did you do the Nespleum show? No. Oh, that was a, that was a terrible fucking one. I think all of those Eastern Washington shows were bad. Oh, dude. the Nobody re- went to Eastern Washington to wrestle. Everybody no, you... went to Eastern Washington to just not be in Western Washington for the weekend. Basically, were you there when we trashed the two hotels? 
No, I'd never I never stayed at any of the hotels. I stayed out there once and we stayed in the the basement at the promoter's house which was his uh 9 to 5 was a, a mortician. That's right. You would let the boys crash in the basement of a funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is one of like, it's such a just a wrestling thing. Like that only night, only in wrestling. Aaron tried to challenge Cedric to a rap battle. Good God. I would I would pay big money to see Aaron's big Korean ass bat freestyle rap. I'll never forget it. He's just laying there on the bed. He sits up like the Undertaker. It just looks at Cedric. It was like, Cedric, I challenge you to a rap battle. And we're like, what the fuck? Dude, those Eastern Washington shows are so bad. Like those shows were all terrible, but like everything, like the trips leading up to it and like everything, everything that wasn't the wrestling was so fun. Dude, if it wasn't for those Wenatchee shows, we would never have the Norman Smiley story. <laughs> oh, dude, tell, tell them the Norman Smiley story. Oh, that's all you, buddy. I wasn't even booked that night. I just came because I was bored. <laughs> I literally went because all of my fucking friends were going to Wenatchee. <laughs> And I wasn't booked, but I was like, well, Mike's going to hang out at home for the weekend like a loser. So I'll go to a wrestling show I'm not booked at like a super loser. <laughs> and and for, for people not from the Northwest, like Washington's fairly big. OK, so when we're getting from Western to Eastern, we're at like three hours minimum <laughs> and through the like, mountains. Yeah, through the mountains, through the woods, like. We see more trees than cars. Yeah, it feels like you're just leaving civilization and then like, surprise, we're Germantown. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, there's there's a real city. Home of the famous dick dog. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so real quick. So the for the people that are the Normans, which I'm assuming is everybody, uh, people that, the Norman Smiley story, uh, the one of the wrestlers who, I guess his dad was the promoter, but he booked the shows. And he booked Norman Smiley like po like pretty close to after WCW fold. No, I guess not pretty close to after WCW folded. No, it was like 06, I think. Yeah, 07, someone like that. And so he booked Norman Smiley to wrestle Norman Smiley. And not that this kid was like bad, but he just wasn't good at wrestling. And he didn't have like conditioning at all. So I just remember Norman blowing him up and just like wrestling around him for 15 minutes. And then they just like went home. And I think like he like, rolled up norman or something like that for the finish because you got to put yourself over and then they took norman to the like the the sponsor which was this shitty pizza place and what actually and so we all gathered around like marks to like ask questions and all that and i just yeah what was the whole thing was i'm trying to remember the quote oh the quote was uh, oh no go ahead okay so no it happened in the locker room oh okay so so after the match match is over uh first guy walks back and he's just like just gassed just huffing and puffing and everything else and norman comes in you know norman in shape just conditioned like like no other dude can probably wrestle for six days let alone six hours and uh he's not even breaking a sweat and <laughs> Guy goes to shake his hand all blown up. <sighs> How was it, sir? And Norman, just without missing a beat. I didn't get hurt. You didn't get hurt. I'm getting paid. You're getting paid. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, good night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, was... oh, right then I learned what to say <laughs> when the mat, what, what to listen for when I shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> How was the match? I mean, I didn't get hurt. You didn't get hurt. I think we're getting paid. Mm -hmm. What more can you want? But yeah, I remember because like, yeah, I remember at the pizza place, we were like doing like a little mini Q&A with Norman. And I remember the the guy he wrestled, his <coughs> mom asked him, uh, does the, I think she was like, does the best wrestler always win? And he was like, no. He's like, you know, a lot of great wrestlers never win, you know, or win very rarely. And then she looked at her son and said, see, you don't have to book yourself to win all the time. <laughs> Just right in front of all the boys. So bad. Oh. So where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me uh, the usual spots, Facebook, Mike Santiago, Twitter, Order of Santiago, Instagram, 
Order of Santiago 253. Um, those are those are my main three. Other than that, I don't know. I think uh, this wrestling time off, uh, I picked up the hat habit e- even more. It's freaking gone intense over the past year. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm thinking about setting up a page for that. Doing just to keep myself active and talkative, social. How many 5950s do you have right now? Right now, I've got, including the two on the way, 74. Holy shit. Dude, I've been, like, racking them lately. It's it's crazy. Like, like even the girlfriend looks at me and is like, like, I'll go through. I'm on my phone. She's like, you're looking at hats again, aren't you? Yeah. You're looking at houses? You're looking at house again, hats again, aren't you? yeah yeah or or like i'll like low-key like not tell her like like i'll just show up be like oh hey check out this one oh yeah i ordered a couple weeks back but no it they seem she seems to be cool with it and it's basically taking all my wrestling money (laughs) (laughs) so the money i would spend on wrestling has been going into that hat addiction which I guess is safer somewhat. <laughs> it's definitely less embarrassing. Like it's a, a hat collection is cool. Like especially <laughs> like 5950s and like minor league teams, but like a singlet collection, no one is impressed by. Oh yeah. Like I don't have my old singlets hanging around. I'll tell you that much. Right. Yeah. You couldn't like have them on display. Cause like at, at best you're a guy with a weird fetish at worst you're like the cruelest wrestling coach. (laughs) (laughs) If you just have like, there's my closet full of singlets. Are these all yours? My closet full of singlets and wrestling shoes. (laughs) Like, why do you have all this stuff? Never know. I want to say like May or June was when I was like, all right, I don't think wrestling's going to be happening for a while. If we talked about it, um, but uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not done, but I'm not active. Like it's 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 like a weird conundrum. Like I tell people, people are like, oh, when's the next match? And I'm like, dude, I can't tell you. Number one, because of the situation. Number two, I have done dick all in like like all the extracurricular things that go into wrestling, like going to the gym, watching what you eat. Uh, little things like that you know so like right now i I even tell people like uh like you ever heard what happened to to frankie frankie muniz uh the dude from malcolm in the middle i do how tragic do you want me to get with how much i know (laughs) okay so the car accident and him not remembering anything about like being on the show being on the show (laughs) dude I kind of feel that way about wrestling sometimes right now. Like, dude, if you got me in a ring, I probably would forget how to tie up. (laughs) I literally was thinking about that the other day where I was like, if like, for whatever reason, somebody decided to rib me and like, hey, man, like I talked to so and so like I'm going to get you on AEW dark. I was like, I don't I don't know if I would do it because I don't know if I'd remember how to wrestle. Dude, I would forget how to run the ropes. Forget how to bump. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think I could just roll off my couch and and do it. Yeah, like I applaud those that can, but dude, no. I mean, fuck, there's some guys who spent their whole careers just getting up off the couch and wrestling. <laughs> never knew how to run the ropes. Don't know how to lock up. Never let it stop them. Oh god, I couldn't. And they do look it. like they're having a great time. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't do it. Cool, dude. dude oh. Thank you so much for doing the, the podcast, man. Yeah, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. One more time, I just want to give a big shout out to Mike Santiago for coming on doing the podcast. Happy four years. Uh, anniversary, birthday, I don't know what it is for a wrestling company, uh, but congratulations to Defy Wrestling on making it four years in the business. Not an easy task, and I think they've done an amazing job so far. And I'm not just saying that because they book me, uh, but it helps. But uh, but absolutely, uh, congratulations to everybody at Defy, Matt, Annie, Jim, uh, Anthony, the whole crew there. Everybody does uh, an amazing job making this thing happen, not just the wrestlers, but the venue staff, the support staff, 
uh, the management, the whole nine yards. Uh, if you want to support them, head over to at DefyNW on Twitter. You want to stalk Mike Santiago on Twitter, it's at Order of Santiago. If you want to stalk me on Twitter, at RealEthanHD. Thank you all. I will see you next time. Late.